in our acronym on Prepare for Christmas. Last week, we kind of dealt with the heavy-duty theological stuff. And uh, today, we're going to talk about finishing out with uh, the more practical side of Christmas, but biblically speaking, the most practical, the practical side of, of Christmas, which really becomes the practical side for every day of our lives. So we're down to planning a budget. I want to read something from 1 Chronicles 29 because um, I, I think that if we can remember one thing during this season, if we can remember whose money we're using and the responsibility that we have with that which God has provided. I, I know that some people feel that, well, you know what, Pastor? I, I know what you're saying, but I'm the one that's out there working. I'm the one that's earning that. Don't I get a say? I mean, I did earn it. Listen to ourselves here, right? And there are people who may feel that way, but who give us the ability and the strength and the wherewithal and the brains to do it? Let's not remember, not forget, we are his creation who gave us, the, instilled in us all these abilities and talents and gifts and uh, uh, ability to do things and get things done. So the strength that we have to get out there and go to work is something that also comes from the Lord. But here's what it says, verse 12. Both riches and honor come of you, and you reignest over all, and in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is, it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name, but who am I? What is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of you, come from you, and are of, uh, of thine own have we given thee. Did you catch that? For all things, say all things, comes from God. And of all that comes from God, we're simply giving back to him. So, that doesn't mean you take your paycheck this week and you give it all to the Lord in the offering plate. You got to live. You got to meet your needs. You got to pay your bills. And you also want to include in that plan to bless others. And at Christmas time, birthday time, anniversary times, certain times of the year, there are times that you celebrate and, and there's that gift giving or the things we do. I, I, I've, I've mentioned to somebody what I want for Christmas is I don't want anything. I want projects around my house done from my boys that my wife and I aren't as physically capable as we used to be. And we've done this off and out over the years, and we're doing that again. I'm doing that again this year. Just do some projects around the house that I, I can't. Uh, my wife doesn't, because I have bad knees, I can't climb a ladder too high. I do it when she's not around. But if she's around, I don't do it. And uh, so, you know, we need light bulb chains on the porch, and you have to climb a ladder, you know, and you got some sore knees. Uh, you got to be careful up there in that ladder, things of that nature. So, anyways, I don't mean to get off. I I'm just saying that the, the best way to plan for Christmas is to start on the day after Christmas for the next year. And, uh, you know, what do we do? Well, we follow the sales. Uh, I was talking to, a, uh, I might have told you this, but I was talking to a manager friend of mine. Uh, he, when he was the manager of the store called McCroy's. Have you ever heard that story years ago? 
we had one in Dover, and he was the manager. And he was a Christian, and his wife went to our church. They, they were our children's workers at our church while he managed the store. So I would go visit him uh, and just see how he's doing, checking in on him and everything, and connect with him. And, and uh, I was in the store one day. He says, Pastor, he said, you see that? You see that table right there? He said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, you know what? I put a for sale sign on that table. He said, by the end of the week, that table will be empty. And they would make a million, two dollars in the last week, he told me. They could make up to a million dollars in one week, the last week. That's just one store in Dover at the end of the week. So you imagine the money spent for Christmas, right? He says, but you want to know something? I didn't drop the prices. All I did is put a sell sign on the table. And that's all going to go because they think it's a sell. Um, so even be careful when you follow the sales because it may be that nothing has really changed, but they know how to market stuff like that. Now, he had to do that because that's what the company said. He was a man of integrity, and I'm sure it might have bothered him a little bit to, to mislead the people like that. Anyways, anyways. Make a list of all the needs that, that you have at Christmas time. Well, I start saving for Christmas uh, the first paycheck of the year uh, that I get in January. I start saving out of every paycheck. I put a little bit of money away for Christmas. So I have a paid off Christmas this year again for years. I paid off Christmas because I start saving for it. I put so much away each week toward that and don't touch it all year. And there it is, ready to be used, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I did a class on budgeting, so let me just give me a, a little thought here. Uh, again, this is the practical side of Christmas. Last week was the more heavy-duty part, biblically, and this bit I'm trying to base it on Scripture. We're, we're really using God's money during Christmas, aren't we? All things come from God. All, all things come from God, not just money, all right? Uh, our very breath comes from God. Think about it. So in my budget class, I had the class write down everything you spend extra if I told you the story, it's okay, because some of you haven't heard it. And I asked the people to write down in the class. There's 32 people in the class. I did a budget class, wrote a manual on budgeting, domestic budgeting. And I said, listen, why don't you write down everything you spend that you always spend during the week, one week, everything you always spend. Don't change a thing. Please don't change a thing. So this is above and beyond your extras. In other words, it isn't the clothes you plan to buy. It wasn't the paying the car, payment of the house payment, things of that way, going to the grocery store, these are about the extras, slipping in, getting that latte in the way to work, et cetera, things like that, grabbing a candy bar at the machine at, the, at work. Out of 32 people, $1,700 was spent above and beyond the normal spending in one week for 32 people. Now, if you take that $1,700 and you times that by 12, you're up to $88,400. Uh, no, weekly, 52. No, 52 weeks. You did that weekly. I'm sorry. $88,400. Which broke down to, in a year's time, if you stop that 1700 each individual in the Sunday school class, in the class, would have put $2,762 back in their pocket. Now, who wouldn't like to open up their bank account on the last day of the year and see another $2,762 in there that you wouldn't have had. And what could you do with $2,700? It could pay your Christmas or more, right? As an example, I'm just giving an example. Now, so I said, this time, I don't want you to do that. I, I don't want you to, I want you to try to cut back. 
out of 32 of you come back and I had play money on the table. Pick up the play money that you didn't spend that week. Take it. It's yours. It was play money. And by the way, I made him take the class and they had to give me $10 to take the class. And if you made it through the class and didn't quit, you got that $10 back plus interest. I kept the $10 and I gave him 2 or $3 interest for that duration of the class. So they made money because they saved money that I saved for them. So they, they were able to get that back. Now, you know how much money they saved by the second week of the 1700? You ready? Those people who went out and really worked that, not spending that extra money, they saved $1,000 that week between them, $1,000. That meant there was $1,000 that they had to admit they really, really, really didn't need to have that. Really didn't have to have that. And, and did you know that for every lunch that you buy, although there are some cheaper lunches, not anymore, but, uh, but in those cheaper lunches, statistics show that if you make your lunch at home, it will cost you... Uh, uh, you, you, it will cost you $1.25 per lunch if you make it from home from what you brought to the grocery store. And that was like a $75 to $1.25 savings that you would save. So uh, we shared all these. We broke these practical things down to show them how to save money. During this class, I had one guy pay his house off. He took the principles that we taught and he paid his house off. I, that, whoa, that was nice. So... Uh, we just have to remember during this time of year, whose money are we spending? And would, would God, really, let's get technical. Would God approve of us putting money on that or this? We need to think about those things, all right? Now, uh, I, I know that when it comes to Christmas, you don't mess with people. I know, I, I told you that last week, I'd be careful, people have traditions. Don't mess with my traditions. And some people don't like you messing with their money either, you know, so yeah, pastor, be careful. Okay, I tell you what, I'll be careful, but let's all be careful. How we use what God has given us. Number, the next one, ascetic. And my wife looked at me, she said, what in the world does ascetic mean, hon? Why? I said, well, I need an A in my word prepare. And it was the best one I could find that I, of a point I want to make. <laughs> she said, okay. And I said, yeah, hon. It's a really simple word. Is yet it's got it, it, uh, the word ascetic has a, a much deeper meaning and a, a, a bit of a gruff meaning, but in its very root form, very very root form, the very first thing you will probably find if you uh, Google the word ascetic, probably the first words you will find will be the words in brackets self discipline. That's what it means. It means self discipline. Now in in Philippians chapter four. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Here's something that we've, we want to apply to this emphasis. It says, I am not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now, when we can be content with our circumstances and not to fight that urge to have, 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 want, 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 we are exercising self-discipline. Please understand that principle. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to uh, what it. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and in any and every situation, 
be content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we, we get a little bit of a glimpse there of that. Now, let me go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and uh, verse 5 through 8. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 8. And, and let me just read a little bit of it and stop because the rest of it, it, it builds. All right. And here, here's what it says. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. And to knowledge, what? Self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And I thought that was interesting that the word perseverance was after self-control. Because when you exercise self-control, you will be exercising and extending your perseverance abilities. Because you are persevering is because you're being self-controlled. And then it goes on to talk about all the things you can add and the whole point of it being that it will make you effective and, and productive. And it, it will, and it will keep you from being ineffective and productive. So it, makes you, it, it does make you effective and productive when we practice self-control. So well, what, what do I have to be disciplined in? Well, we need to be disciplined in our devotions. We already talked about that last week. We need to be disciplined in our budgeting. We need to be disciplined in our planning our schedule. We need to be disciplined in our time. We need to be disciplined in our eating. This whole thing about being disciplined, preparing for Christmas, is, is that uh, when we get near the end of the message, you're going to see why this is important and what really is the other side of the story. You may know, you may have experienced, but you may not know as much as bad as it really is. But uh, we start getting, my wife's a health coach. She has 30-some clients underneath her in the company she works for. And uh, she will start getting phone calls in January from her people. And she's always in touch with them. She's always on the phone with them or connecting on uh, uh, technology. And uh, they'll be calling her saying, hi, Mrs. Coon. Yes, I, I had a rough month. And you know what it was. They're all going to start calling her in January and February. I ate too much during Christmas. So we, we need to learn how to discipline even the eating thing. I found out in dialysis this week. I said, do you have a lot of open chairs today? Because I saw a lot of open chairs. And she said, no, no we have a few. Yeah, they'll, they'll be there. I said, uh, do many miss? She says, oh, everyone in this shop almost misses once a week. I just celebrated three years. This, just yesterday, on the 16th, was my first dialysis treatment three years ago. And I just celebrated three years and you ready for this? I haven't missed one session. And I think they call me an anomaly. They can't believe how healthy I am. I go to the gym. I'm going to the gym today. They, they, they just can't believe what I do. They can't believe it. And the, even the nurses say, well, that's not what we hear from these people. Well, you know what? You can't miss your appointments. You got to discipline yourself so that you keep your body healthy. That machine right now is my kidney. 
and I need a kidney. You get the point? So you go visit your kidney, say hi to it, get in the chair, keep your mouth shut, read your Bible, pray, get work done, and get your treatment and go out and have fun. Have fun. Because I have energy to. Because I'm disciplining myself to come under the, the compliance of what is required to keep my body healthy. There's people in dialysis for 25 years. So uh, that may, that is like, unless the Lord heals me, and we're believing God to do that, that is my kidney till the Lord takes me home or he comes. All right. So what is all this discipline stuff about? Uh, well, number one, Christmas is not a license to overspend. It's not a license to be undisciplined. It's not a license to just, ah, let's just let it go. Let's just have a ball. Well, do have fun. We'll get to that later. Uh, but I found out something about Christmas time that bills are the most faithful thing in the natural realm of life. Can you think of anything as more faithful? Well, the earth spending the sun coming up. Okay. But in the natural realm of life, bills are the most faithful thing. They never stop. I used to tell the people during the service on Sunday, during the summertime, before vacation, folks, you're going to go on vacation, but your bills don't. And the church bills don't. I can remember a day when our electric bill at Calvary was $3,300 a month in the summer, just for that bill alone, $3,300 a month. And we had to use so much electricity, the, the electric company, did you know this? The electric company charges the businesses more a, f a fee if you go over a certain amount that you use, even though you need it, they, they, you pay that on top of the 3300 a month. So, you see, uh, come January, the bills are going to pour in. Discipline yourself now, control that now, and you'll have less to take care of in January. It's about denying yourself and taking up the cross and following him. And by the way, what does it mean, Pastor, when the Bible says, take up your cross and follow me? And follow him. What does that mean anyways? Well, here's a simple definition of it. It means to disown oneself. Disowning, disowning oneself and giving one's self completely and fully over to God. Bottom line. Disowning oneself and giving oneself completely and fully over to God. So when we talk about the word of, when we think about planning a budget, and I do a budget every year. I'm a paper man. I'm not a technical person online because to me, my, my daughter's been hacked twice. Other people I know are always getting hacked online. Well, I've never been hacked yet with my paperwork. So I ain't going to mess with it online. I'm old-fashioned. And I still use a check when I go to the grocery store sometimes. I'm sure people look at me and go, you got to be kidding me. Get with the times, because it takes longer. But you know what? I don't care. I can use pay the way I want, right? And so can you. I care how they feel. I don't want them being mad at me, but uh, we have fun joking about it at the cashier just to make it light in case there's a grumpy person because I'm using a check. I, make, I have fun making saying things about it. But from another spiritual point of view from Paul, you go back and read Philippians 4, 11 through 13 again. Be content whatever state you're in. 
It's about bringing everything, everything under the guidance of the Lord. Lord, I, I want to turn my time over to you. I want to turn my finances over to you. I want to turn this. I want to turn that over to you, Lord. Let's learn to do that. Now, next. Restful. How can we slow down at Christmas time and be restful? We have a very, very busy schedule this month. It's very, very busy. Uh, because there are events that we're invited to. Uh, there are some things we can't even go to because of time and because of things busy. It just has its own natural way to create busyness. You got office parties, you got staff parties, you got church parties, you got the production uh, at our church, and, and you just got so many things that you plan for. And your nativity, I'm so happy to hear you had a good turnout. So happy it went well, because it is a good thing to do. They're, they're still trying to have people remove their uh, manger scenes from their properties and businesses and things of that nature. And there's people rising up against that now. They're not letting it happen. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. Keep that message. You can drive through the neighborhood and find out who leans toward the true story of Christmas by the decorations in the yard, can't you? When you see all kinds of everything but Mary and Joseph with a baby somewhere is in that yard, it gives you a little sense that, well, they may not be even religious, nonetheless Christian. We don't know. Why would you want to put that much stuff in your yard and not have the, the true meaning in the yard somewhere? Come on. Come on, Christians. All right. So, so at Christmas time, we need to slow down, uh, go to a Christmas program. My wife and I have been watching some Christmas movies, and it's wonderful to see some of these uh, funny and some good Christmas movies that doesn't have any cussing in it and inappropriate behavior. It's just so great to have that. And, uh, and you know what my wife and I did Friday night? We jumped in the car and we drove all over Dover. Downtown Dover is beautiful. We drove, took, she took pictures in a lot of neighbors' yards. Uh, thank God there was no watchdogs out there. They would think we're, you know, grant grooming their home, you know, getting them ready to visit them. But she took a lot of pictures. And of course, Cooper went with me and uh, he sat in my lap and tried. How does he enjoy lights? I have no clue because he was shaking a lot. He, he doesn't like driving in the car. He just doesn't like the car. But it was time we spent together. It was relaxful. We enjoyed it. We had fun. And uh, it was a nice way to spend our evening together. So uh, in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 11 gives us a, uh, a good thing to remember because one thing we talked about last week were the people who hate Christmas, right? We talked about the people who have so much pain uh, actually, do you know there's actually a movie out entitled I Hate Christmas? We saw it. Of course, we, we totally would not watch that. But, uh, and I don't care if it was a tearjerker or a wonderful movie. Not in my house, it won't be. I don't even like the thought that somebody would hate Christmas. Like I told one person one time, you hate Christmas, but then you hate Christ. I don't hate Christ. Yeah, you do. You just said I hate Christmas. What do you think Christmas is? If we understand what Christmas is, you, then you're saying you hate Christ. Think about it. No, there's something in your life that's pained you so much at Christmas time, and it, re, it comes back up. And as a case in point, our 
uh, my wife's sister uh, in Maryland is going through a really rough time right now because it was around this time that her son died, 45 years old, and died. And just all of us were blown away at his. He was so healthy and strong, and he died, and we just were shocked. And uh, she's really having a hard time. She's having a really hard time remembering it brings it up. Now, she doesn't hate Christmas. She, she's a Christian. She does not hate Christmas. But all these memories, they collapse on us at Christmas time. They collapse on us. And we start thinking about some of those things in the past. And by the way, as we get older, it's even more so, believe it or not, isn't it? So here's what Jesus said. This is a good Christmas passage. You can use this for Christmas. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Folks, do that. Accept that. Just let the Lord lighten your load. Those burdens. Uh, I got a I, I got a text from a guy last night, and uh, uh, wait a minute, I think it was an email. Let me double check here. Uh, I have to go to yesterday. I was just, I wanted, I, if I can find it, I just want to read this to you. And listen to this, listen to this man. He, he's in our church. He's in my small group, small group man. He says, Pastor, I'm a bit lost and heartbroken. Generally, I can bless someone this time of year. I don't have the means. I'm very emotional about this. Every time I see someone in need, I end up in tears. And I can believe it, knowing this guy, because I can't help. Don't know what to do with these emotions, brother. So I sent this back to him. I says, you give your feelings over to the Lord. Cast all, I didn't say this, but what I'm asking him, cast this care on the Lord because he cares for him. And what I just read, come to me. I said, he knows your heart. I know how you feel about the poor and needy. It hurts to see the needy go without. It's God's creation, and he knows how to take care of them directly and through others when we can't. Thank God you have a good heart to care so much. Folks, there might be times we don't have the means to help so many people. We help who we can. We help the way we can. But you know what? God created that need. I mean, that person who is needy. He created that person. So, well, George, God may not use you at this time because you don't have it at this time. And he's feeling bad because he can't. But he don't want that to take him down because then he's rob being robbed of himself of the purpose of Christmas. It's to celebrate the coming of Christ. See, everything has got to be focused on Christ at Christmas. Everything, folks, everything has to be focused on Christ. Because who's coming back? Christ. That's why we focus everything on Christ. He's coming back soon. And if anybody in this building today doesn't know Christ, you need to think about turning your life over to Christ because look at the news. If you're following it, it's getting closer. 
and it's going to continue to escalate. This is the pre, what's going on in the Middle East is the pre-prep for the big coming of Christ and the big war that's coming called the War of Armageddon. This is not the War of Armageddon. This is a little dinky thing going on compared to Armageddon that will affect the whole world, not just the location, but the whole world against that location. Big difference. So think about the importance of turning your life over to Christ and being ready. Bring all those burdens, all those cares to him. So slow down, take a rest, call out to the Lord. Do not let anything distract your attention about Christmas, that day we celebrate. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. Lastly, enjoy Christmas. Now, Proverbs 15, 15 says it this way. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Do you know how many times you have been carrying a heavy burden for somebody? Hmm. And you're heavy-hearted. When you come into the church, you were heavy-hearted during the week. But you, have you ever noticed how all of a sudden you all break into smiles? Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Is that Italian enough? Hey, how you doing? And, and, and so, all of a sudden, what breaks forth? A, a joy in your heart to see your friends. There's a joy in your heart to say hi to everybody. You're glad to see them there. That's a joy that comes from the Lord. You see, joy is not, uh, joy is really more of an attitude in Scripture. The joy Jesus talked about, the peace Jesus talked about. The rejoicing in Jesus. These, these were more of an attitude of our being, of our nature, because it's in Christ. And, and so for those who have a cheerful heart, you, you can't have the cheerful heart this scripture is talking about unless you have Jesus in your heart. Because all the other is going to be a, a temporary joy, a earthly joy, a fake joy, not a real joy that comes from the Lord. And when we're in Christ, that joy just goes. You know how many times a pastor has stood in the pulpit on a Sunday morning and you wouldn't want to know what he went through that week? You wouldn't want to even have a clue what he went through that week, but you'd have never known it. You know why? Do you think because he's putting on a show? Absolutely not. I didn't. I wasn't putting on no show. No, the joy of the Lord kicked in. He anointed what I had to do because that's my calling. But he would give me that joy and that strength. And when I was done preaching and having a good time in that pulpit, I still had to go home and now keep facing whatever was going on. But the joy of the Lord is there. And when you feast on it continually, it becomes, well, when you do it, it becomes a continual feast. And then Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So when, you, when we talk about a cheerful heart, when we talk about a joyful heart, when we talk about rejoicing in Scripture, all of those add up to the word joy, and therefore enjoy it. You can still have a rough feeling going on. It could be a bad, hey, it could be a friend of yours is in the hospital. It could be a family member who's in trouble. It could be a family member who's in the hospital, you know. But, you, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. So joy is more than just 
tickling somebody. Go, <laughs> they laugh because they were tickling. Oh, that was wonderful. Oh, I enjoyed that. No, this is much deeper. It's an attitude of the heart. It comes from God. It's been discovered that more arguing happens on Christmas Day than any day of the year. Any day of the year. And by the way, it's still there. That's not, that's an old statistic, but revisiting statistics, it's still there. It is reported that the average couple, to prove what I'm saying is true, is reported that the average couple has four arguments a day during December. Or a total of 124 arguments over the month. You say, Pastor, how in the world would they get that? I don't know what longitudinal studies they may use, but I think it's got to do with reports from counselors, psychiatrists, psychiatrists. They probably do this survey thing behind the scenes and from counselors, et cetera. And, and the busyness in divorce courts, et cetera, et cetera. You put all those stats together, imagine having 124 arguments in December. That's, that's, that's way too much tension going on. That's, come on, that's way too much stress going on in people's lives. Come on now. Come on now. And to think that January is the most arguable day. All right? You know what picks up in the, in the, for, pa, for Pastor Jody, our uh, counselor on staff and me, counseling? Do you know what? happened to us in January, Jordan and I could sit down and compare notes. We didn't compare names. We, we, we would compare notes. We would see an increase in counseling in January and February to put back together what was almost destroyed during December. I can take you back to records and show you the increase of counseling first part of the year. It's like now I have to, have to pay the bills. They come in January and February, don't they? They don't stop. So here's the top 14 reasons for Christmas arguing. You ready? This is the 14 top reasons why there's arguing on Christmas month and day. Watch too much, or excuse me, what to watch. I'm dyslexic. I read it backwards. I literally did because I'm dyslexic. What to watch on TV. And there's truth to that. There's truth to that, right? Over the Christmas dinner, they're arguing. And I'm not talking about if you see an argument at the, on a Christmas show on TV. No, this is a legit arguing during Christmas dinner. Someone drinking too much. People consistently on their gadgets and social media. I tell you, I can vouch for what I'm saying because I've seen it and our families on both sides. Um, deciding who is doing the dishes. If Christmas is at our house, you ready for this? That's one of my gifts to them. I kick them out of the kitchen. They all want to help. I said, no, you're not. You all go in there and say, honey, you too. I take care of the dishes. I clean them up. I take care of them. They still try to sneak in, in there, sit out of the kitchen right now, Enjoy your family. Let me do this. Because you know why? Because I'm particular how you fill the dishwasher. I do it a certain way so we can get enough dishes in there. At least that's the excuse I give them. Uh, playing board games and the cheating that goes on. <laughs> now you're laughing because you're guilty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the mess after the gifts are open. 
Nobody wants to clean that mess up and get ready for dinner. So what we do is we bring the garbage bags out and the trash is put in immediately as it's unwrapped. It's real simple. Uh, trying to get new toys and gadgets to work. Some of the things we get our kids, you need a, a, a Philadelphia lawyer to read the instructions before you can understand what to do. It's ridiculous. But make sure you have enough batteries. Whatever you do, you have kids. Kids moaning about their parents on not getting them what they really wanted. Now, adults aren't going to do that like that. My wife said, well, that, 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 that was nice. She's not going to say, what in the world is he doing? I am not a good gift giver, apparently. And uh, be content whatever state you're in. Children moaning about being bored. Get it on your nerves. Can you believe this? You just spent X amount of money on blessings, and they're already bored. They do. They get on your nerves. Money worries. Boy, when you sit there under the Christmas tree and you start unpacking it all, you go to yourself, oh, my goodness, what did we really spend here? Well, if you track it, you know. If you save for it, it doesn't matter. Relatives coming for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, some of them can be fun, can't they? People being ungrateful and the tension between partners. So here's the thing, Pastor. Isn't this kind of overkill? No. This is studied research put together. This is what's happening in our country during Christmas. We don't want to be part of this. This is what we want to be a part of. Celebrating the real reason and purpose. Amen? So I want to close with a thought. And next Sunday, we're going to take a look at the true meaning of Christmas. And it will be a simple service. And uh, we will be reading the Christmas story. We'll make it a Christmas Eve. We think of Eve. It's the day before. We think, of Eve, we think at night. A lot of times with evening. So, but it will be during the day. So we're going to treat it in that respect. And uh, I, I believe we will have a good solid conclusion to our Christmas beginning the next day after that. So I close with this thought. If Christmas is every day in our hearts, and how many people have said that? Raise your hand. Have felt or said that? Okay. All right. Then we must practice all these principles every day. So that when it comes time to Christmas, we don't have to have all this unsettled feelings and emotions. Trying to figure out this and that. No. Listen, it's every day. Christmas is every day. Because Christ is in our hearts, church. It's every day. So praise the Lord. Now we know how to be better prepared for Christmas. I'm preaching to the choir. You could get up here and probably say more things than I did, other things than I did. And I'm not saying that all these bad things that happen in people's homes is going to happen in your home. But at least now you know the kinds of things that you could look forward to if you don't keep your eyes and hearts on the right thoughts and purpose. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, during this time of the year, we have many people in travel.
We're going to go on, on in the air, on land, on sea. And, and Father, we just pray for their safety. And we pray, God, that uh, the weather will be of such that there will be safe travel for people. We, we pray, Lord, that you will be with those that uh, can't uh, have the, the same wherewithal and blessing to have the Christmas they would like to have. Lord, that, that's secondary to the real reason. The real reason is you. They can have you. They can have you in their heart and be content and have that sense of peace and joy even if there is not the things there that they wish they could. Secondly, Lord, you know how to provide for people's needs. You have your people all over this country, all over the world. You have your people ready to give and to serve and to help. So deploy us, Lord. Let us have our pocketbooks open to the needy people we see around us. And Father, may we come to you and rest at your feet and spend time with you in prayer and in devotions. Lord, I pray in this room today, if there's anyone who has never opened their heart to receive you, I just pray, Lord, that you'll help them to remember a simple prayer they can pray. And friends, you can pray with me right now if you want. And the prayer could be this, and you can repeat this in your heart, in your mind, verbally, softly, out loud, however you feel, but do it. We simply this, dear Lord, as I sit here today, I know that in my heart, I don't know you, but I want to know you. And so, Lord, I open my heart to you right now. And I choose by faith to receive you. I understand that I was born into sin. And the reason you came was to save me. And so, Lord, save me today. I accept you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, if anyone of you today, and Lord, if anyone of these folks pray that prayer, it is done. When you died on the cross, the Greek word, it is done with the tetaleste in the Greek, and it meant it is done finished. Lord, you just changed a person's life today, and we thank you for that. Be my two friends that I met this past week who accepted you. Continue to walk with them and be with them, Lord. Father, we just thank you that you can help us come to you and bring our burdens to you and rest in you so that we don't skim over too quickly at all, at all even, why we celebrate. And that's you, Jesus. And thank God that you're coming back again. And everyone prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week, Lord willing, unless the rapture happens. <laughs>